This is the Fearless Leadership Podcast with Coach Croy. Now from Riverside in beautiful Southern California, here's the head men's basketball coach at California Baptist University, Rick Croy. Welcome everybody to the Fearless Leadership Podcast, our first ever edition. Deli, thanks for being our first guest. Thanks for having me on. It's a big honor. Uh, everybody, we are joined by Matthew Delavadova, better known as Deli, point guard for the Milwaukee Bucks. Currently 7-1, and one, leading the Eastern Conference. Uh, Del, this podcast, um, you know, we want to have a lot of fun with it, but we want to create a platform uh, to talk about leadership, uh, inspire other young leaders. I think back to my blessed opportunity to coach you at St. Mary's College and learned so much from you um, as a leader. And I want to talk to you about being a fearless leader and kind of get your ideas on, on how you would define a fearless leader. And then also if you can speak to some of the characteristics that fearless leaders, that define those fearless leaders that you've been around. Yeah, no, that sounds great. Uh, and I definitely learned a lot uh, from you about leadership at St. Mary's as well. So the feeling is definitely mutual. Um, for me, I think a fearless leader, to just define it in one term, would be letting it rip, which uh, is a term that we've both used a lot uh, in many different cases. But uh, to to break it down, what I mean by letting it rip uh, would be three things. Uh, first, dreaming big. Second thing, uh, working hard. And three, uh, making others better. And they all uh, tie into letting it rip. And I think the first thing, dreaming big, uh, you have to aim high and really put your goals out there uh, and have a vision of what you want to do. Uh, and I think that's something I've always uh, tried to have ever since I was young uh, and, and working my way through uh, the different stages of the journey. Um, the second thing, working hard, kind of goes without saying if you're going to have uh, big goals and, and really put yourself out there, you have to uh, put in uh, a serious amount of work. Uh, and if you want to be a leader, you, you have to be uh, one of the hardest workers, if not the, the hardest worker, um, to really set an example yeah. uh, because no one's going to follow somebody that isn't putting in the work. Yeah. And then the third thing uh, that I think a leader has to do is uh, you, you make others better. And uh, I don't think you can be a leader without making others better. Um, and there's a lot of different ways you can do that. And I think uh, as I've gone through and gotten older and learned more, I've continued to try to evolve and uh, get better in, in making others better. Because when I was younger, uh, I wasn't super vocal. I, I would just play as hard as I could and was more of a lead by example uh, kind of person. But as I've gotten older and uh, moved on to different stages, I, I've tried to really develop uh, vocally and um, passing on what I see out on the floor as a point guard. 
let me let me ask you this in terms of the the first one, dreaming big. Like the first set of fearless leaders that that you were around, your parents, Mark and Leanne. What do you remember when you first said, "Hey, I, I want to make the NBA," and how did they how did they respond to that? What was what was their leadership from that standpoint? Yeah, well, uh, as you know, my parents uh, have been a huge part of my journey and, and still are today, and there's no way uh, I'd, I'd be here without them. Um, and I think the thing that they did, um, which, which was great, was they always encouraged me to, to dream big and go for it, um, but just not, not worry about so much uh, achieving things, but just making sure that I was improving. They, they just wanted me to do my best and have fun. That's all they uh, ever said to me. So there was never any pressure from them to uh, on me to achieve any certain kind of goals. They just wanted me to do my best and try as hard as I can um, and have fun. Um, so the the fearless leadership piece uh it kind of stems from our mantra this year at CBU is fearless and we've been talking a lot about it with our group and you've been able to like in your career you've been able to navigate different transitions and that's that's what we're trying to do here is uh CBU's had so much growth they've gone from an NAI school uh, to a Division II school, we were able to find a lot of success at the Division II level, and now we're jumping up to the Division I level in the Western Athletic Conference. And so much of our leadership is about uh, mindset and approach. And I was thinking about your journey and, and how many different times you've done that. But I wanted to ask you specifically like about your St. Mary's journey. And you were able, as a freshman to help St. Mary's win the Western Conference Tournament, beat Gonzaga in the final. But there were still things um, left, even though you guys went to the Sweet 16 as a freshman, there were still some things you hadn't done, uh, like capture a regular season conference championship at St. Mary's. How did you – St. Mary's was kind of the underdog. Gonzaga was the school that everyone was trying to beat. As a leader, did you did you feel like – um, your approach had to be different, or how did you how did you navigate that? What was your mindset in terms of competing against Gonzaga and helping build your teammates up at St. Mary's? Yeah, well, uh, I was very lucky to to come into a um, a deep team that, that first year, my freshman year at St. Mary's, and when we I remember after we went to the Sweet Sixteen and. Uh, we lost some uh, big-time seniors, uh, obviously Omar and uh, Benny Allen, uh, Wayne Hunter. And when we met in the spring, uh, you know, that was my first year of U.S. Uh, college basketball. I was yeah. like, well, let's, next year, let's win the national championship. <laughs> and I don't think I really appreciated uh, how hard that was going to be or... Uh, you know what we had really achieved by going to a Sweet 16 because it's uh, it's hard to make the NCAA tournament and then uh, you know you're in a knockout tournament versus some of the best teams in the country. But I think the thing that we tried to do 
attention he he pays to the small details and uh, measuring those things so you get that feedback every day of uh, how you're doing, what you're tracking. And I think uh, by focusing on those small details and, and never losing sight of uh, what's important on the basketball court, um, we, we were able to have some success and do some things like win the regular season, which uh, we hadn't done for a while. So did you ever feel like in that leadership journey, did you did you ever feel like all right we gotta we gotta transition from being the underdog to all right now, you know we're going up against Gonzaga and, and we're supposed to win this game or did you feel like, hey, it's all right we we like we like where we're at here we like that people are doubting us what was your what was your feeling there? Yeah, I think uh, I mean at St Mary's as a mid major. Um, you know, with with a bit of a history of getting, uh, you know, some tough calls when you're on the bubble. Some years, you you always feel like you have to go out there and, and prove yourself. Um, and no matter what the, um, that, and that was probably more the outside expectation. Whereas I think internally, we always felt like we could go toe to toe with anybody. So the next transition for you was, and this took, you know a ton of fearlessness is all right now i got to find a way i got to find my way in the nba obviously everyone knows the story undrafted make the calves out of training camp start by leaving your imprint in summer league picking up kyrie full court in in the training camp and everyone starts to feel you know what you can bring to the table as a competitor and even as a rookie as a leader but then LeBron comes on board, and I think for those of us that know you really well, we were all excited because we feel like your greatest skill is helping a team win basketball games and making others better around you. When LeBron came on, on board, how quickly did the expectations rise like internally? And talk about him and, and how he is you know, with just being a fearless leader every time he comes to a new organization. Yeah, well, uh, I'll never forget the uh, summer league shoot around because uh, we actually had a game that day in summer league when LeBron announced he was coming back to Cleveland, and uh, <laughs> everything changes obviously when uh, he decides to come back. Um, the previous year we'd missed the playoffs, but we had a, uh, a a pretty good young core that we we're expecting to make the playoffs the next year. Uh, but as soon as LeBron decides to come back, it's uh, pretty much championship or bust. And that's the weight of expectation um, that is on him, you know, no matter whether he's in Cleveland or Miami, back in Cleveland, or now at the Lakers, uh, people are expecting him to win a championship. And if he doesn't, um, the season is viewed as a fa- failure for him. And to see somebody, you know, deal with those expectations um, and and it not seem like it affects him at all uh, was pretty incredible. But uh, <laughs> my first real uh, memory of, um, you know, LeBron coming into the organization as the first day of training camp before practice and he uh, pulls out all the players uh, only the players into the film room 
and he uh, stands up the front, everyone's sitting down, you know, excited, yeah. wondering what he's going to say, and he just lays it out, uh, what his expectations are for this year, what our goals are, and what we need to do to get there. But the thing he does, which um, still amazes me to this day, he goes through every person in that film room, every player, and, and goes through uh, what their strengths are and what they need to bring to the Cavs uh, that year to be successful. And um, as, you know, as a second-year player coming in, uh, I don't know if LeBron even knows uh, my name, but he, yeah. he goes through and says, you know, you pick up people full court, uh, you got a three-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio, and, and you can knock down the open threes. And that, <laughs> that makes you stick your chest out and feel no pretty doubt. good about yourself. And I think um, as a leader coming in, um, you know, I, I was going to do whatever he said anyway, but uh, when somebody builds you up like that, um, you, you feel pretty good. You mentioned uh, expectations and, and how LeBron takes those on. And I was thinking about this and, and kind of the, the parallel to our journey here. You've, you're going to play in your third Olympics coming up, right? And it, which is crazy. But it, in that time, Australia basketball has made so many moves. And I don't know what the expectations were your first time around. Um, but certainly I think they're greater now. You guys are, you know, hunting medals, and um, it's just a, a different expectation level. As, as a leader on the Boomers, do you guys talk about that? Like, is that part of building the leadership, is to take those expectations head on, talk about them? Obviously, I'm sure you guys do a lot of stuff with setting goals, uh, but how much – how much do you talk about the expectations and, and how do you find your way through that uh, from a leadership perspective? Yeah, I think in terms of expectations, the, the most important thing um, as a group and a leadership group is to set and, and define what your own expectations are. And uh, once you've done that, uh, the leadership group and uh, the team hold each other accountable to, to what those expectations are and anything outside of that, any outside noise from uh, the media or, um, you know, around the league or anything else just, just doesn't matter at all. And I think um, you're definitely right in saying the expectations for uh, the boomers internally has, evolves and continues to evolve and um, we're in a bit of a golden um, era in terms of uh, NBA players is the highest it's ever been. I think the Australian League is as strong uh, as player as it's ever been. We've got a number of great players in Europe and my first uh, Olympics, um, Paddy was uh, in the NBA but hadn't really established himself yet right. um, but he was our only um, NBA player on that squad whereas now uh, while in Rio we had I think maybe seven um, and we might have 10 or 12 at the next Olympics so 
uh, we've continued to try to raise the bar of what our expectations are. And Australian men's basketball has, has never won an Olympic medal, and uh, we, we want that medal to be gold, and, and that's what we're working to achieve. How much are you guys talking to each other throughout the NBA season? You know, when you guys don't have it, obviously the, the opportunities to get together are few and far between, but, you know, it's out there and you guys know when you're going after that gold medal. How much are you guys talking and how are you guys doing that? Yeah, I mean, with technology these days, it's uh, a lot easier to, to stay in touch and, and keep updated of uh, how the other guys are going. But what's cool about there being so many Aussies over here now is when uh, you travel to a city or they travel to Milwaukee uh, the night before the game. They'll come over for dinner and we'll get to catch up and uh, just see how each other is going. And, and then, you know, it always comes around to some groomers talk of uh, what the schedule is going to be like for the upcoming summer. And um, everyone, you know, loves playing for the boomers. There's nothing better than representing your country. And for a lot of us, we've played together for... Uh, five to some of them 10 years now uh, and have even gone through the Institute of Sport together uh, in Canberra before they went off to play either in college professionally so um, you know a lot of the guys are, are best friends on the team so to be able to represent your country with some of your best friends is uh, pretty amazing. Um, I want to I want to take a few minutes to ask you about one of the best leaders I know Anna Delavadova comes from uh, maybe the most competitive family in the world, the Schroeder family, now a, now a Delavadova. But I, I don't know, I didn't really have a sense of, you know, what, how tough an NBA season was, uh, and really until I came out and visited during, during the season uh, back in 16-17. Talk about... Uh, her leadership within your family, uh, the demands of an NBA season. Um, you know, I think people would be really interested to hear um, things from that perspective. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, she's the best, and I'm very, very lucky to have her uh, as my wife. And um, she made a big sacrifice uh, in putting her teaching career on hold when she had a great uh, offer to be a third grade teacher uh, in California. Uh, instead, she moved out uh, to Cleveland to, to be with me and uh, try to help me uh, achieve my goals. And uh, that's about as selfless as you can get uh, because she's an incredible teacher and um, currently does a great job uh, as a substitute teacher out here in Milwaukee. Um, and also volunteering at our next generation, which is uh, an after-school uh, program out here. Uh, but she's she's just really um, taken on the challenge of uh, a bit of the unknown, whether it was moving from California to Cleveland uh, and then Cleveland to Milwaukee, uh, because it's it's tough because you have to make new friends uh, whenever uh, we we move cities. Uh, you have to get to know an area. You're spending uh, a lot of time at home when we're on the road, so you have to be self-sufficient and uh, find things that, that you enjoy. And 
I think she's done a really good job of trying new things and um, the thing that she does best is she's always uh, helping others to be better and um, holding others accountable whether that's uh, pumping other people up in workout classes or you know the substitute teaching or the volunteering or even going into uh, different volleyball programs whether it's high school or the club level and uh, just helping them improve so she's extremely selfless um, which I think is um, you know <laughs> an important quality in a wife but especially in an NBA wife. How about in terms of accountability we, we talked about your competitiveness but if we put a number on if like board games, trivia games, over the course of your relationship, what would your winning percentage be against her in anything competitive? Uh, it would, I'd still be up. I'd probably be about uh, 60 to 65, which uh, pretty good. Is, extremely, is extremely low for me, but uh, she is a, a top competitor um, and yeah, don't don't like to lose to her, but um, she's a tough competitor. We'll 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 get some accountability from her at, at a later date on the, <laughs> on the sixty to sixty five winning percentage. Uh, she might not agree with that. <laughs> you guys are you guys are rolling. You guys have gotten off to a, a really really good start with a new head coach. A, a lot of the same guys back, but. Speak to the chemistry. Why is, is the leadership working? Obviously, there's a long way to go. It's a long haul. Uh, but to be able to get off to the start, um, obviously, it speaks to having a superstar player who, who has also embraced a leadership role. Can you tell us a little bit what's, what, about what's going on with the Bucks right now, why it's working? Yeah, uh, we had a tough one uh, last night in Boston, but overall, we've been... Uh, playing really well and I think uh, the style of play has, has been great and I think uh, Coach Bud has done a great job and his staff of uh, introducing a new system um, playing five out uh, really spacing the floor and uh, a lot of ball movement and player movement uh, which allows a lot of driving lanes for uh, Bledsoe and Giannis and um, yeah, I'm excited about what we can do uh, this season because as well as we've been playing, I think uh, we've got so much room to improve. And I think over the journey of the NBA season, it's, it's such a long season that you have to continue to get better uh, during the year. Uh, you can't relax or... Um, can't thank you enough first ever fearless leadership podcast could not have had a better first guest look forward to following you all year and uh, we'll be pulling for the bucks but i think what you gave us today was was great stuff on letting it rip one dream big 
two, work hard, and then three, make others better. And uh, you definitely made us better today, and we appreciate you. And uh, say hello to Anna, and we'll be checking checking the scoreboard soon with you guys. But we're very, very appreciative, and talk to you soon. Thanks for having me, Corey. Big good luck to the Lancers this year. I'm excited to watch you guys, and uh, definitely excited to listen to the podcast. It's going to be great. Thanks, Dale. Talk to you soon.